0: grace, mercy, and peace to You from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You this day for sending Your Son to show us the way. Lord, that even when we would be wayward and would wander away from the promises and the grace that You give, Lord, that You still call us home. We would ask this day that you break your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. Many years ago, we were at a church with a man who is a great pastor. He's a man that I call pastor and I look up to now as a pastor. And there was a gentleman that had been a member of the church as a child and had grown up and confirmed by this pastor and then had left and gone away for a long time. Years. And meanwhile, the pastor had gotten reports from other folks, can you believe what he's into? Have you heard about what he's doing? And man, I just can't believe it's the same kid that we saw grow up. And one day he shows up in worship. And as they're shaking hands at the end of the service, in that awkward obligatory exchange, people are standing and they're watching as he comes up through the line. What's he gonna say? And with a big smile, and the joy of a pastor's heart just pouring forth, he says, Welcome. Home. We've missed you. I would invite you to turn your attention to our gospel text if you have brought your Bible along with you to turn to Luke fifteen. You see, we love a good underdog story. And it usually depends, though, on which side of the story we actually sit on. We like the underdog story when we can identify with the underdog. And so in the first half of our parable, when this spoiled, ungrateful, rotten younger brother comes to the father and says, I wish you were dead and I want you to divide up your inheritance and give me what is due then it's really easy for us to identify with the older brother and go, can you believe that guy? And then to watch him run off into a far country, as our text says, and squander everything he has on loose living, and then suddenly be left in want, homeless, destitute, now victim of his own sin as he starves himself to death and we can identify and go see that guy he got what he deserved he just he didn't learn his lesson and he just kept taking the train down the wrong tracks and you know what it went off the rails and we told you so we warned him and it happened anyway but we we said it it's his own fault But then we like it on the other side when the son returns home and he repents before his father and he recognizes his faults and failures and he goes and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am so sorry. I don't even deserve to be called your son. And then the father throws this grand banquet in his honor. And the older brother shows up, and he's angry before he even hits the door. And he's so angry, in fact, that when he wants to know what's going on, which it's kind of obvious, instead of asking the father, he asks the servant, and the father has to come out and meet him where he is at, too. he says, I can't believe this. I've been here the whole time and you've never once given my friends and I a goat to sacrifice, let alone a fattened calf. And this guy, he shows up and you give him the best? See, and then we get angry with the older brother. We're all about Justice and mercy, when we're the ones that are the recipients of mercy and the dolers out of justice. The distance between damnation and redemption is three days. The end of chapter 14 ends with Jesus saying, let him who has ears hear. And then in the very next line, as we begin our gospel text today, it says, now, now, assuming these are the ones that have ears and that are hearing, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Meanwhile, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, he receives sinners, and he eats with them. You see, the Jewish people had these dietary restrictions. They could not engage in anything that would make them unclean, that would separate them from the covenant promise that they believed God had given to Abraham and then to Moses, and to the people of Israel. And so they were so bent on this that they put laws around their laws, and when it came to actually caring for their neighbor, they forgot how. And they failed to see That while they're getting wound up around the axle over Jesus' table fellowship, that this is what the kingdom of Christ looks like. You see, a paradigm shift is scary. It's terrifying because it requires us to let go of control. Right? These sinners, they don't play by the rules. And we hear this time and time again in the Gospels where, for example, in the parable where they have all of these workers in the field and he says, I will pay you a day's wages if you come work for me. And then throughout the day, he brings more people on and like the 11th hour, right? He brings these other guys on to work for an hour and then they go to line up to be paid and he says i want the guys that showed up last to be the first in line and he pays them the same amount that he would pay the guy that started at the start of the day and that dude gets angry well wait a second i deserve more and he says well that's not your job your job is to do your job and not try and do mine You see, they don't like that the sinners and the tax collectors have a seat at Jesus' table. Because if they have a seat, if these unclean folks have a seat, then where are the holy, righteous, faithful people supposed to sit? See, when we make a trip home, it's to visit. We leave where we are to make a trip with no intention of actually staying there long term. But when we take a journey it's all about what happens along the way so that when we reach our destination, this is where we belong. See, throughout our 40-day walk through Lent, we are taking one step closer to the cross each and every day. And the beauty of Good Friday is that the story doesn't actually end there and that as people of God who have hope and faith in His resurrection, who know that the distance between damnation and redemption is three days, that we step right on through and we keep walking until we find the empty tomb. See, someday, and I know this would never actually work, but you see, what happens is is that we have a higher attendance on Easter Sunday than we do on Good Friday. And what I would love to do someday is hand out tickets to people as they leave on Good Friday, and the only way you're getting back in the door on Sunday is if you hand your ticket back in. (laughs) This is a two-part story. <laughs> and the to be continued only works if you actually see it through to the end. You see, in our parable today, Jesus uses this example of these two brothers and this father to illustrate the distance between where the kingdom of God is and where they think it belongs. see, our journeys with Jesus draw us home. And as our second reading that Paul writes today in 2 Corinthians, it changes everything about who we are along the way. Who is the Savior who dines with the sinners that he came to save. You see, the hospitality of our fellowship is challenged to not only welcome, but to seek out folks to join us around our tables. We talked about Alaskan hospitality last week. We don't care where you're coming from or who you are. We're just happy you're here. I love having the joy and privilege to serve in ministry beside you. After being away for almost three months, I love the fact that you keep on moving. I thank God for Pastor Dennis, who was able to step in and preach and teach, and for Jason and for Ty and for so many others that were able to help stand in my stead where I couldn't be. One of the things that I love about the DNA of this congregation is that we don't depend on one individual or even two, but in fact that we share the weight of ministry across many shoulders. You heard the announcement a few moments ago about AMC having a mission and ministry meeting. As one of the 14 Alaskan congregations that have a vested interest in the Alaska Mission for Christ, selfishly, I would love to see a huge, beautiful Savior contingent as part of that conversation. Just show up and celebrate the work that God does in our state. And to be a part of what that looks like, not just here on the South Side of Anchorage, but maybe even further beyond. You see, there's this scene that happens, where the oldest son comes back from the field and the party's already started. The celebration is already happening. he stands on the outskirts and he says that's not the way it's supposed to be they're not playing the right music and they're not celebrating the right guy where's my party don't let piety inhibit our participation on our way home We find our home on our way there. You see, God doesn't simply come and say, boom, everything's fixed. You're now in heaven. But instead, he says, guess what? I am coming. And this is how you're going to live until I do. And then guess what? He shows up in the person of Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus shows us what that example looks like, and then he says, okay, now it's your job to tell everybody else about it. I'm going to go back to my Father's house in heaven and prepare your place there. And oh, by the way, all those folks you're telling, them, I'm going to prepare their place too. The party's already started. See, not everyone is a prodigal. Some of us have never felt the need to wander. And some of us only find our home after losing it and allowing God to lead us back. And some of us never even knew what home looked like to begin with. But we give thanks to God that that's beyond anything that we have to worry about. We have the call to celebrate and be glad that he makes the dead alive and the lost found so that God always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.